Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy, in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com. Many of you may have listened to my podcast about the upside of envy with Dr. Josh Gressel. And Josh told us that our envious tendencies can be subtle invitations to explore the possibility of incorporating into our lives the objects of our envy or the subjects of our envy. Well, today's guest is eliciting just a small amount of envy because he lives in Sedona, Arizona. I just love Sedona. If you've never been to Sedona, it is so worth the trip. It's about an hour and a half out of Phoenix, Arizona. And when you drive into Sedona, if you haven't been there, it's like entering heaven on earth. The red rocks and the light there, oh my gosh, they are just out of this world. And well, that's a great segue. <laughs> so is our guest today on Happy Healthy You. Happy Healthy You, the podcast, our weekly podcast about living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. And my guest today is lovingly called the human from the future. Maynard Elliott, PhD, is a leading edge consciousness scientist and conceptual designer. His background spans the fields of zoology, coral reef ecology, oceanography, and tropical rainforest biology. He earned his PhD in consciousness research and he served on the faculties of Adelphi University and Dowling College in New York. He's also the president and the founder of Arco Cielos Foundation in Sedona, Arizona, as I mentioned. And he's the author of a new book, his fourth book, entitled Brave New Mind, Living in a Future Science World, where he talks about his new master paradigm for personal and planetary transformation. How juicy is that? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Elliot. Thank you, Connie, for having me. It's always a delight to share our common goals and objectives. Well, I have never talked to a, uh, a human from the future before, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> now, so it, am I. Yeah, yeah. So your book talks about the future man that humanity is evolving into. I kind of believe we are evolving as well. So I'm curious to see what your take is on this. Can you describe who and what we are becoming as humans? Yes. Uh, essentially, I believe that the old paradigms of the past that have just been going uh, in cycles for thousands and thousands of years, kill or be killed, survival of the fittest, rise and fall of civilizations at the expense of the environment, uh, cutting trees for warships and, and too many buildings which are then destroyed. What we need is a new paradigm. The old ones, uh, the old grids that we worked in were created and paradigms tend to stay on us. They tend to stick. So it's difficult to get out of this kind of intellectual mud. And I believe that now 
we have so many new pressures, evolutionary pressures, we can no longer use the old paradigms to solve the questions and the, and the, the new uh, challenges that have been put ahead of us. So I've created a new flexible paradigm, which essentially can evolve and grow along with the individuals involved so that this will be perfectly appropriate for any time. And it involves living consciously right with this intellectual uh, energy field, which some people, I like to call it the quantum field, the quantum information field. So what does that mean for me as a human, for my listeners as a human, if we are are going along with your new paradigm, how does that change things for us? Well, uh, you know, it's always difficult, and, and we all need to understand that when you bring things down from a higher dimension, we're always putting this into the human grid, and so it tends to be difficult because we have human-created words, uh, languages, so it is always difficult. Ultimately, it involves experiencing yourself. That's the only way you can know. Now, this quantum field has been with us always, and the great uh, artists and leaders of the past have used it. But I believe now, with the frequency, uh, human frequency of energy patterns speeding up, we can now do this instantly. All it takes is a little switch in your mind which acknowledges the possibility of this quantum field. You acknowledge it, and when you are in this quantum field, people who are athletes and artists and mothers and leaders all have little periods of time where things start to connect. They start to click for you. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, we need to put a little sticky, mode up, uh, sticky note up in our linear mind, and by recognize this, this and not disbelieving anything we cannot to be proved to be true. Don't okay. d disbelieve things we can't prove to be true. So uh, I say don't disbelieve anything you can't prove to be untrue. And bingo, that opens up infinite possibilities. And I pretty much guarantee that if you do this, you will start to see amazing little serendipitous things happen in your life which don't compute. And when this happens, you just need to recognize it, and it will allow us to move ahead as a global family. Yes. Now, I'm totally on board with this. I get this. I've been practicing meditation, and, as, and, a, and I'm ramped up a little bit because I'm doing a yogurt teacher training where we have to meditate a little more deeply every single day and so i'm 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 with you on this but maybe let's go back a little bit and talk about some examples of maybe artists in the past that have tapped into that quantum field that you're talking about and then some ways that we can personally tap into the quantum field today like who who in the past like when you said that i thought of immediately leonardo da vinci i mean would that be an example of someone from the past Absolutely, and and these great uh, avatars and seers of the past, I believe they they did hear voices and did were communicating. But many times they had grids of their own. Uh, if they're involved in the, the church, was so powerful at the time that they had to put it into that grid for their own survival. The difference now is that we can. Due to the ascension frequency, in other words, the fact our, our frequency has speeded up so much, 
we don't need to sit in a cave for 30 years anymore. All we need to do is open that switch in our mind to the so-called improbable. Uh, paranormal should really be become the new normal or super normal, which we are all working toward. And when we do this in groups, uh, as we're doing today, we're creating a living field. And this field is operating between our conversation, the electronic entities all involved. They all have their electronic fields, which are interfacing with the human field. Uh, this may sound kooky, but what this comes out to be is a living information field that's, that's shaping itself according to our listeners and our conversation. Wow. That's fascinating. The power, the <laughs> power of this. And I'd like to add another little note. Uh, Connie, if you'd permit me, Absolutely. I just realized that I've been on quite a few of these uh, talk radio shows, and this is where the women of the world, thank God, are starting to take their power. Ooh, and love it. And again and again, I have been, I have been struck by the wonderful um, attitude of cooperation. Uh, there's none of the sniping that men tend to do. Their, their Y chromosome is part of the problem. And we want to get rid of this, you know, knocking somebody down or being a smart ass. Yeah. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, firing your own ass at the expense of other people. I've never had this. And so I just wanted to thank <laughs> the, women, the ladies who are taking the lead now. Well, the Dalai Lama said that the Western woman, woman will change the world. So, so I, I love that. I'll, I'll be part of that. And I do think you're right. I think the, the idea of cooperation over competition is sorely needed nowadays. And I think women are so used to working together. And I, I think men will come around. I have faith. So, so you're talking about the grids and um, you speak of a shift from a linear mode to one that is more nonlinear or quantum thinking. So let's talk about how we sort of make that shift because I know nothing happens overnight and we all heard about the big 2012 thing and everybody kind of thought it was going to be an instantaneous, an instantaneous ascension to this different dimension, but things do take a little bit of time, even though we don't have to sit in a cave for 30 years, right? So how does this shift from linear to nonlinear thinking actually occur? Well, it occurs in so many different ways. It's, it's really hard to define, and I'm, I'm sure we'll come up with some other examples, but these little serendipity things, these aha moments, I realized rather recently uh, that strangely, from a linear perspective, it is very interesting that I have developed myself a special ability to pick up pieces of data uh, on the internet. And I realized that it was the spirit or quantum field that was guiding me to do this. So this is rather strange, but it's a wonderful example of how this quantum consciousness field is very active along with our newest technology because with all the new satellites and uh, Elon Musk is putting up another, another uh, 700, uh, the internet keeps growing layers. In other words, Earth's own consciousness, the originally called the global brain, is expanding along with humans. So if we don't get with the program, uh, essentially in the long range, uh, we're not going to survive as a species. Mm. 
Yeah, that's kind of scary. But I also yes. think I I do agree with you. I I kind of feel like the internet is a is sort of a um a metaphor for humanity in so many ways. Maybe you could articulate that better than me because you're I feel like we're all connected through the internet and as we add these we sort of do evolve as the internet evolves like you said we add layers and we're sort of moving through those layers. Would you say? I don't know. Can you say that better? Bingo. You hit it right <laughs> on the head. Uh, what's happening is that our technology and the Internet is a beautiful example of this is actually shaping our consciousness as we begin to learn to work with it. This is like the new fire, if you want. Uh, wow. This is like the cosmic fire because we have a tool that's amazing and I would put out one thing to people. Uh, if you want to make the internet better, if you want to make the world better, if you can't say something nice, then don't say anything at all. We're so entrained with this business of criticizing and judging each other. I was trained this way by uh, where I lived in New England and my families and all of this. You have to stop that knee-jerk reaction. And if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all to point yourself, you know, to bolster your own ego. Look at me, look at me. This would stop a lot of this internet pollution and give the internet new wings. Mm, yeah, it's so simple. But, you know, Thumper said it in Bambi a long time ago. <laughs> if you can't say anything nice, don't say nothing at all. Yeah, that's true. I, and I think hopefully we will also evolve and maybe some of the women can can help with that because we tend to be a little kinder. Can you talk a little bit about how science is able to measure non-local consciousness and how that can affect the way we live our lives and shift into this new this new paradigm that you you talk about? That is an amazing question and I, I wish you'd repeat that. I want to I want to try to put more uh, depth into that. Yeah, answer. let's let's talk about how science can measure or how it's studying and can measure non-local consciousness and the effects and and then how this this will impact our lives. Okay. Uh one example I think that is amazing is that the uh our new technology, our heart technology, medical technology has allowed people to survive heart attacks and strokes, which just didn't happen only two decades ago. And what has happened because of this is that more and more people are having near, near death and actually, uh, actually crossing over and flatlining according to the medical technologies that's measuring their bodies uh, during this period of time. There are many wonderful examples. I would suggest Dr. Eben Alexander, uh, who was a neurosurgeon, his, he went into a coma and his brain essentially turned into something like tapioca pudding. According to the hard science that was evaluating this, he came back, he told all about his experiences on the other side. Apparently this separation was never meant to be. And so one of the keys uh, in my new book for this new paradigm is after-death communication and realizing that you never have to uh, abandon your loved ones or, that, or you haven't been abandoned. You can talk to them anytime. It's like a graduation ceremony. How different would life be if children began their lives learning about this? Mm. And then so would that mean we'd come into this 
incarnation fully conscious as babies in the future? Is that how, how things are going from your future? <laughs> well, actually, there are wonderful stories about children. Uh, PMH Atwater has a number of books, uh, one called Future Memory. She's done extensive studies on NDEs, so-called near-death experiences. And with children, when children are young, they apparently carry over some of their knowledge of past lives. And so in, in my world, I would encourage children to talk to their imaginary friends in my new teaching system, which is one of the key points. I would encourage children to learn dowsing, to learn how to be, rather than competitive, supportive and synergistic. And they would have a totally different view of life than the old uh you know life and death and you know taxes all that old right. paradigm your book is so optimistic and as you talk about things and you you seem to be very excited about this shift i actually am too but i think a lot of people are struggling or challenged by the amount of change that is happening now and so many of our um, institutions are just kind of going away they're 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 collapsing or dissolving and maybe we could talk about a way that we can those of us who might be challenged can in integrate some of these shifts in a more graceful way do you have any suggestions for that I believe women have, have a special gift in being more intuitive and I believe that much of this comes from uh, them raising children and raising a baby. Now, if this was done in in a few <laughs> a few thousand years ago, when we were in a cave somewhere, it would be very, very critical for survival to for the mother to be able to understand what the infant was lacking or what uh, or wanted, and all of these things. And I believe that has helped magnify. Uh, the female powers. And I also believe that all great men uh, in history have had great sources of inspiration uh, from women in their life. <laughs> There's behind every great man is a woman yeah. somewhere, or so women, they say. or so maybe they say. a different partner, <laughs> let's put it that way, to keep right. everybody happy. So are you saying that embracing more of our feminine characteristics and respecting the feminine energy uh, would help, A absolutely, help us? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, okay. So what does that mean from, like, can you give us any examples of what that means, maybe to you, like how you have, of course you're from the future, so you don't have any problem. So maybe, do you have any examples of how someone is moving more gracefully because they're embracing these gifts of intuition or a more receptive feminine way of living well why i called the book brave new mind is that it takes courage because totally. uh there's a great uh tendency in the so-called human condition and this is the older paradigm to stay in a position of comfort when whenever someone has a new idea or starts a new mo movement there will be a certain percentage who, of people who exhibit a knee-jerk reaction to the point where they throw a tantrum, even if they're from Harvard or the Ivory Tower universities. And this has happened with cold fusion, for example, which was validated later on by the Office of Naval Research. Uh, this is just one example. And it's good to realize that this quantum field is with us. We just have to acknowledge it. 
And in this quantum state, the so-called zero point, there is no difference between the past, present, and the future. So this new strategy of, of survival involves living in the present, being mindful, and also moving into the future. Because if we stay in that state more and more of the time, if we sort of get the future by osmosis. It isn't like we took a time machine and went into the future. Well, I guess it is in a sense. <laughs> but that information starts to trickle down at, in weird times. You'll get a little flash. Oh, what if I Google that on the on the Internet? And that's the kind of signal for, for us to acknowledge the fact that, oh, boy, that's a whole new thing that I never thought about. It can happen magically. Yeah, it's what the Christian religion has talked about, you know, have have faith, even though you can't see it, try to believe and, you know, and trust it when it does come through. Now, you know, this merging of the worlds or the the layers, as we talked about, the dimensions uh, is happening, but also there's a merging of of conventional science and alternative science. And your book talks about that. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yes, uh, I uh, have a section on future science medicine, and I've had direct experiences with this. Uh, I had some uh, very severe pains and headaches and uh, symptoms of gallbladder, and I was very close to the last Hopi medicine lady who is still alive, uh, and I worked for the Hopi tribe, and I uh, was complaining and had called her earlier about this or my wife had and i got a call i was outside in the yard and hopis generally are are very um they tend to be not outgoing but she wanted to talk with me on the phone i came inside and she says elliot you need to get yourself over to the hospital and get that fixed just like that mm. so i went over to the hospital and i i had a scan and i i walked into the um um, surgeon's office and in the in the waiting room was a big crystal so that helped I said oh well maybe we can we can communicate here in the same wavelength sure. I went in the guy had a beard he was really a nice person I immediately bonded with him and he said look I just wait if I were you I said look I have to go to Canada in two weeks I need to uh, I need to get this fixed and and then I finally said look I don't know how to tell you this any easy way, but I have a very close Hopi sister who is a medicine lady. She told me to come in here and get it fixed. He said, okay, Tuesday, that was, I was there on Friday. So we went in and when I came out of the anesthesia, he's sitting, he's over the table where, you know, in the hallway where they put you when you're recovering mm -hmm. and starting a an intelligent conversation. And I'm trying to, you know, come back to the world and he's holding this, uh, this little plastic box with a gallstone the size of an olive in it and with a Cheshire cat grin. So there's a perfect example how the two can work together. In one of my previous marriages, uh, I, I had the opportunity to become really close to a famous heart surgeon, children's heart surgeon uh, in Philadelphia. And he was Filipino and he had worked, uh, he had tiny fingers and he worked helping his father uh, as a child uh, working in tailor shops. So he was very, very good at small, making small stitches. He invited me in to, uh, to witness uh, 
open heart surgery on a seven-year-old child and I had the old operating theater to myself and a, and a communication set up so I could ask the operating team questions. Now this man told me that he, before a, when a patient was in trouble in the hospital, he would know to go in before the phone rang. And again and again, I have, I have had this kind of talk with, with very good doctors. And of course, they, they wouldn't admit this to their colleagues, but they would, they would admit that they have intuitive powers themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's also what's called um, intuitive medical people who are credentialed that can help surgeons and the patient by sitting outside the operating system and meditating uh, to help keep the operating team stable, the patient stable, and also help the recovery happen much faster. This is already uh, accepted by many good credentialed medical people. That's amazing. I didn't know that was happening. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. So do you think there'll be more training in in professions like that, you know, uh, trained meditators, for example, to work in a hospital? I mean, do you think that'll become something that's more accepted in in the new paradigm? Absolutely. Uh, This is the next step. And the surprising thing is that there are many credentialed people in things like intuitive medicine. It's now really well accepted, uh, at least in our area. And it's, it's worldwide. There are credentialed people in radionics, which is another non-local healing phenomenon that, that I cover in the book. And it's, the pieces are all here. And as you suggest workshops to share this information. Now, let me switch just a little bit. In the, in the book, I talk about something called invincible defense technology. And this was implemented by a physicist called John Hagelin, who has created a university, the Maharishi University of Business, if you please, mm-hmm. which go on the uh, ancient teachings of Maharishi Yoga, the one that worked with the Beatles. Sure. And what happens is John uh, set up a foundation where people are trained in coherent meditation. And this is being implemented by militaries uh, whole groups of military people are training in uh, Ecuador, for instance, to help soldiers focus and alleviate their anxiety on the battlefield. But most importantly, they have proved statistically that with coherent meditators, a rel- relatively small number can influence and take away the causes for conflict, the causes for ma- weapons of mass destruction. And uh, again, this is in the book, Invincible Defense Technology. Coherent meditation, coherent prayer are very powerful ways to change the world. Oh my gosh, we need that right now. And you're right, we don't have 30 years to sit in a cave. We need to get that going. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about supersonics? What are supersonics? Yes, supersonics was a term invented by Dr. Christopher Hills, uh, who I studied with. He was uh, the formed the first consciousness research institute in uh, Bay Area, California, called the University of the Trees. And although that is no longer uh, there, since Christopher passed away uh, several years ago, it has gone on to form the Heart Math Institute, which is a very, very uh, positive uh, demonstration of how technology and consciousness can be united. And I would encourage all of you to 
to look at uh, their website and uh, their devices. They have little devices to help you more coherently meditate. I use one of these myself. Yeah, the Heart Math Institute is fascinating. They do some work with with the heart to to where they're they're actually able to measure the vibrational field around the heart and how again I don't I'm just a podcast host so I don't understand the science behind it but how powerful the human heart really is right Yes it's something like a thousand times more powerful than the brain as far as the electromagnetic frequency or field that it puts out and the heart math uh, system basically says hey the brain is only 18 inches from the heart so we need to activate a connection and think more with our heart in other words more heart needs to go into uh, to <laughs> alleviate what we like to call the human condition which yeah. is approaching uh, new levels of dysfunctionality all over the world and it, we, it's got to change yeah yeah in every every way <laughs> in brave new mind you talk about mankind perhaps being a lot older than we might think can you tell us what the science is behind that oh absolutely and if you don't believe any of you out there don't believe that we have been uh, we have been taken to the cleaners by some of our so-called historians and archaeologists, uh, many from the Smithsonian Institution. Just go to your search engine and Google, if you will, ancient human skeletons, giant skeletons. And you will be surprised to find that in the 17th, 18th, and even 19th hundreds, Giant skeletons were found in various places all over the United States and actually worldwide. And I'm talking about people six, seven, eight feet tall and up to skeletons that are 25 feet and more. And this has all been established, but we've been filtered. The information has been filtered probably because of it was politically uh, – <laughs> not good to have that kind of thing on your campaign because people you had the whole religious creationism business but try that look into this and you i guarantee you your mind will be blown keep your mind open yeah <laughs> lots wow. of evidence that's fascinating yeah so the, where do you where do you suppose well you know because you're from the future again <laughs> where do you suppose these um humans are from Certainly not from this. well. Uh, actually, they were the they were the humans that were associated with the amazing structures that we call mound the mound builders. And oh. these structures were earthen works that, even with our modern construction equipment, were mind boggling. And buried in these earthen works, which sometimes resembled a serpent, uh, they occupied. A, a central, say a third of the United States region-wise, the rivers especially, uh, there are giant skeletons buried and artifacts. Some even have uh, copper armor and hardened uh, copper axes. They, science has still not figured out how they did that. And do you think they were involved in the building of the pyramids? Because they still don't know who, who did all that. Well, when it comes to lifting these big stones and also these mound builders had... Uh, there are other uh, pre-colonial ruins in America that they attributed originally to the Vikings, but they found tablets with Egyptian-type symbols and uh, Phoenician-type symbols. 
other languages. It's all been there. But if you go to YouTube and start looking into this, you will be amazed because I'm talking about evidence. I mean, these guys have old pictures and especially newspaper accounts. They show the clippings. This is working with source information or as close as you can get to it. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, I know there's one of those mounds in Missouri, right? Right in the Midwest, I think. I, I haven't been there, but I saw when I was visiting, I saw signs for it. I was like, I wonder what that is. So. Uh, so as we're moving into these new paradigms, what are some of the things that you can suggest that we do in terms of educating people to cope with our the shift into the new future realities that are unfolding for us? Well, I encourage them to become part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And uh, don't, uh, in other words, don't shoot the, ma the messenger because you, you won't get any more mail. I mean, that's a very uh, primitive uh, red level response to something you don't understand. We need to open the door and listen to the messenger. Uh, and also, uh, again, if you can't be supportive, then be quiet and listen because most everyone has something to say and then go research it yourself. One of the great problems I, I see that's just looming in front of me again and again, and this is where the women come in, I believe, is the what I call intelligent population management. Now, we, ha we neuter our dogs and cats. We know about this. I'm not saying we need to do that with people, but we have the technology. If we don't become painfully aware of the population problem, that alone will result in some very terrible... Uh, conditions coming to earth and we can do it we can do it we have what we need to do it but again it requires education and involved in this is the releasing of women from becoming baby factories in certain cultures especially and taking meaningful roles in leadership worldwide they will be empowered by this yes and we'll all be the better for it i believe as a woman what is uh your description of future science art Oh, this is one of my favorites. Uh, I think this is probably the best way, one of the best ways, art, music, performance, yoga, dance, of working with the quantum field consciously because uh, dancers and musicians and artists have always done this, uh, but usually without the knowledge of the presence and acknowledgement of this field. Now, if we can do this conscience, consciously, uh, we uh, amazing doors will open to us. In my own case, about 30 years ago, I said that I wanted to create uh, artworks and sculptures that were, let's say, inspired by other dimensions, other realms, other ETs. Uh, I didn't specify, and I started to learn how to how to do metal sculpture. And the result is that when you get into the zone, you and allow. Uh, I, I guess it could be called channeling. You can create art that one piece that you do will be so different from the next. You go, wow, did I do that? And when you get to that feeling, whether you're doing needlepoint or knitting or, or other things that you enjoy so much gardening, this will start to open doors for you. And, and the more time we spend in this quantum state, the better we're going to all be. And 
when we work together in groups, as with this radio show, it is a very powerful transformational um, elixir for everyone that's part of it. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, when, when we're creating, when we're in the creative process, we are working on our right side of our brain, I guess, which is more the one that's a little more tapped into the finer, higher vibrations, would you say? Absolutely. And and there's another uh, element you brought up, this fear. And I have spoken with many very, very powerful healers and others that admit that one of the reasons that psychic healing does not take place is the fear. And so very often when you when you have this kind of non-local healing, you need to go back to the practitioner maybe again or several times to reinforce this because it, it, let's call it like a vaccine. It just didn't take. It works for a couple of weeks and then not. This happens in a certain percentage of cases, and all healers will tell you this. So it's very important that anyone who goes to a healer, whether it be their dentist or, or MD or, or a psychic healers, to be part of the healing process. In other words, don't just say, give me this and I just want to get healed and get out of here, which a lot of people do. And this is what the, uh, of course, the you know, the doctor does uh, automatically is give people pills and they feel happier. And mm -hmm. whether they get relief from the pills or the placebo effect doesn't matter, <laughs> really, in the long run. Right, right. So I guess what you're saying is, and, and that is sort of in alignment with being an artist, is if we work with the healer and we work in a state of relaxation, which means that we've accepted or assimilated a belief system that will accommodate that that we might not understand what this healer is doing but we can accept that there is good happening and ch and change for the better in the body then the healing will be more easily facilitated is, does that make sense absolutely because <laughs> if you're going to a healer or even a conventional doctor and you want to get healed and you got this kind of a chip on your shoulder uh, that's not the way to do it uh, if you want to get healed you have to you have to respect and love yourself enough to, to give yourself a break, right. uh, you know, because there is a certain percent of people that get really attached to their medical conditions. My operation and my doctor, right. I have a really good, you know, all of this kind of talk. And it's a very sad commentary that there are certain people that, that have equated surgery and medical care with attention. Mm, that's true. That's true. And all of that is part of, as you say, the old paradigm where we walk into a doctor and we expect them to give us something or, or work on us surgically and heal us. And a lot of the healing is available within ourselves, not the surgical procedures, which are, I have so much respect for some of the uh, medical professionals that have just changed our lives by creating these new uh, procedures that are that are amazing but um, yeah some of the healing is available to us but we don't believe that it's possible so we go to a doctor and get drugs or or we are attached to our our ailments so yeah so there's a new paradigm that we are shifting into where hopefully we'll be less skeptical of healers and work with them instead of against them so what's one thing we can do today 
all of us who are listening who might be saying, I don't know about this. I heard about that 2012 shift, but I don't know if anything really happened. What is one thing we can do today to maybe tap into the finer or the higher realms and open ourselves to this idea that we are shifting for a positive? Well, first of all, we have to have that desire. And I always advise people, uh, due to the the intensity of, and sometimes the piling up of various stress elements that could never have been predicted, we call them wild cards sometimes, uh, say two or three decades ago, that go to your facilitators, your medical people, yoga, uh, acupuncture, massage, all of these people will can help you tremendously to relax and help avoid the stress and then you can work with other groups uh, because when you go to a workshop or a conference you have a group consciousness and that's where it can be very supportive if you pick and choose carefully mm-hmm. and uh, that is very helpful and these radio shows I believe are a, a rather miraculous catalyst for transformation. Oh good, I hope so. That is definitely my intention with this show. I I want to bring a new way of thinking. Thank you so much, Dr. Maynard, for coming on the podcast and talking about your book, Brave New Mind, Living in a Future Science World. I think it's fascinating. And I hope some of our listeners will get your book and and maybe post some some comments on our Facebook page, on the Happy Healthy You Facebook page, because I think this is a conversation that collaboratively we can all grow from if we start having it. And and we should all also go to Sedona. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Where can we find your book and, and more information about you? Yes, the book is available on Amazon.com. Brave New Mind, Living in this Future Science World. My name again is Elliot with two L's and two T's, Maynard. And so you can find it either in Kindle format or paperback, and you can look through the table of contents and read a bit of it on Amazon. Also at our website, which is our foundation name, Arcos, C-L-O-S, A-R-C-O-S-C-I-E-L-O-S.com. There are links to interviews, radio and uh, TV interviews that talk about the book. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I hope you'll come back on the podcast when you write your next book and give us some more uh, updates on where we where we stand with the shift into the new nonlinear realms, because I'm I'm with you on this. I think we need to we need to make some shifts. So thank you so much. It's always a delight to uh to uh, enjoy this kind of digital uh, mix with, with like-minded folks and some of the ones that, that are curious enough and willing to challenge themselves and cut themselves some slack and do the research yourself. Sure. That's all I ask. Yeah, do the research. I'm going to go look up those, those 25-foot giants on YouTube. <laughs> so thank you. Enjoy Sedona on this beautiful day. I can't wait to get there again. Well, thank you so much, Connie, and I wish you a wonderful, wonderful win-win to the X power. How's that? Oh, sounds great. I love it. See you in the future. Okay. Hi, everybody. 
everybody, it's Connie Bowman, host of the weekly podcast, Happy Healthy You, where we talk about living lives that are whole in mind, body, and spirit. Our new sponsor for the podcast is Red Revive, and I have to tell you, I'm enjoying the results I'm getting after adding just a couple of tablespoons to my green smoothie in the morning. I've even gotten my family to try it. For more about Red Revive and 30% off your order, go to our Happy Healthy You Facebook page and click on the Red Revive video at the top left.